What's going on, everyone? I'm Paul LaMonica from the Lona High Podcast, and in this week's episode, I sit down with Yale University attackman Matt Brandau. Matt's from Timonium, Maryland, where he played his high school ball at the Boys Latin School, where he was an Under Armour All-American his senior year. At Yale, Matt has been a starting attackman since his freshman year and even tallied 74 points in his freshman campaign. Matt and I spoke about how his twin brother, Chris, who currently plays at Maryland, made such an impact on who he is as a player today, what he looks forward to in 2021, and much more. Be sure to go follow Matt on Instagram, at mbrandow36. I hope you guys enjoy the show, and let's get right into it. The bull behind the cage, Yale University attackman Matt Brandow. Matt, what's going on, man? How's it going? Good to be here. I appreciate you coming on. How are you? You home? Yeah, I'm home right now. I'm doing real well. Uh, my brother went back to the University of Maryland this morning, so it's an empty house now, just me. When do you head back? Uh, I'm not sure yet. We're still trying to figure all that stuff out, hoping that I uh, can head back late January, maybe early February, but everything's still kind of up in the air right now. When was the last time you were back on campus? Uh, I visited a couple of my buddies who were there in the fall for like an afternoon just got to see them and spend uh, the day with them but I haven't really been on campus since gosh, probably March last year Jeez, wow so is like everyone else just in like a, a private like a private house not like actually on fully on campus right so that, yeah the house that uh, some of the seniors and guys a couple guys in my class as well are living in is just off campus and you know you said your brother was at maryland he starts practice i'm assuming he starts practice in a couple days or today yeah i think they're starting it up this week i'm not sure exactly which day maybe tuesday but i'm not exactly sure i know a lot of i think everyone besides the ivy is starting up this week so i i'm assuming that must be pretty tough for you and your teammates as well you know just trying to you know get some practice like you know training like training by yourself but like just seeing these other teams play I, is is probably pretty tough on you guys. Yeah, I think, um, you know, at this point, as a junior, we're pretty used to it uh, based on just our Feb 1st start date on a normal year. But I think the most frustrating part right now is seeing everybody start to play and not even knowing if we're going to be allowed to or allowed to go back. I think, you know, I think everyone wants to just have some sort of definite answer at this point. But, you know, it's all we can do is wait and hope that uh, – the Ivy makes a decision that benefits us, but obviously the safety comes first. Um, so, you know, we're just, we're just waiting for now. Yeah, for sure. And do you think, you know, not being able to like play or like see your teammates as often has been a little bit more like of a mental strain on like maybe not just you, but also, you know, your other teammates as well? Yeah, I think it's definitely difficult. I think that, you know, our team prides itself on being really close together and, uh, you know, it's, it's takes a lot to build chemistry and, and a good culture of a team. So not being in the same room with those guys or around those guys on the field, off the field, um, definitely adds a little bit of a challenge. And, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see like the freshmen in the first years that uh, we haven't really interacted with at all, or we might be thrown right into a spring with them. So it's going to be interesting. And uh, I think it's been tough on some guys, including myself, but really I've just it's it's a whole lot of build up and excitement to see those guys again and to be able to like hang out with those guys again you think like the first day you guys are able to uh like play together is going to be a very fun practice oh it's going to be so fun it's going to be a lot of like trash talking smack talking guys you know guys yelling at each other about who worked out the most and who got the biggest and strongest but it's going to be so much fun I can't wait for that first practice so who do you think is going to fill the void of the chirp monster of Matt Gaudet on the Yale University team? I don't know if that void is fillable. I mean, as a fresh, like your first year, um, you know, coming in and I've never been a big trash talker. I haven't known a whole lot of trash talkers um, in my time at Boys Latin. So I was kind of like taken aback by it, but it was, it was awesome. And it, it's so effective. Like the things that you don't see, like everyone that sees now he's in the PLL, they're like, Oh, he might be doing it just for show. Like that's, he said it a billion times. It's part of his game and it works. It's so effective. Like I remember my defenseman when we played, I forget who another Ivy team, like was more focused on talking to Matt and I like had a couple goals and he didn't even realize what had happened. So Matt does such a great job. And, uh, I don't know, but I don't think it's going to be possible to find someone that can talk like him. 
uh, when I had TD on and we were talking about the exact same thing, he said, you know, you guys would be in like film rooms and, you know, the mic or the mic of the, uh, the video would catch some of the stuff he would say in the, in the middle of games or like during the PLL series that like there would be a hot mic on and it would be like someone talking. He's like, we got to play better defense. And you hear, you hear Godet chirp something. Was that a, uh, was that a big thing when you guys were talking over the summer, just hearing. So like having that, like on a national display, the Matt Godet chirp. Oh yeah, it was hysterical. I mean, I would text Jackson Morrow and guys, some other guys in that class all the time, and just be like, they don't understand that this is constant. This is not going to stop. Like a couple times in film, I would just like after a goal or something, I would watch Godet's body language, and he would not come to celebrate first. He would just turn to like the other team's sideline or the other team's goalie first and foremost. And after a couple seconds with them, then he'd come join us. It was really funny. That's great. Did he always do the uh, hyena laugh that uh, that, he, yeah. that he got famous for? That was it. He, my brother, um, when we played Georgetown, my brother was the starting goalie for them on my freshman year in the, in the first round of the NCAA playoffs. And my brother says sometimes he still hears his night in his nightmares. Got that really high pitched voice. That's great. That's great. You know, that's a, that's like a one, like one in a million type of like personality that you just have on a lacrosse field or just any sport in general, just like a guy like that who uses, I like, I don't want to compare him to Michael Jordan, but like that was the same thing Michael Jordan would do is just talk constantly. And that was just a part of his game, just getting in their guy's head. It's very effective, but you just have to, you have to be very careful with it at the same time. Oh, absolutely. And that's the thing that guys I think don't realize too, is that he's actually a really great leader, like internally on our team, like he's vocal. He he's taught me so much. He's been really great with a bunch of guys, a younger guys like me. Um, and guys don't see that side of him. They just kind of see the menacing side, but he's, he's, he knows when to be soft-spoken. He knows when to lead. He knows how to lead. He's, he's been great for us. So it's, uh, it's definitely someone that uh, will leave a void for us. Definitely. So, you know, taking that go, like moving back a little bit, you know, I just want to start off, you know, getting to learn, uh, know about you a little bit. So I'm just going to ask you a couple of basic questions. So Matt, where are you originally from? I'm from Timonium, Maryland, right? Uh, a little bit North of Baltimore near the Towson area. When did you first start getting into lacrosse? Uh, uh, my older brothers both of them played high school lacrosse at McDonough about the time I was born. Um, they're my half brothers, but um, so I probably grew up watching them. I picked up a stick probably for the first time when I was three, started playing soft stick when I was four. Were you guys, since you have a couple of brothers, uh, big on playing fiddle across in the backyard when you were kids? Oh, huge. Yes. We, there was a bunch of fun games that we would play, but, um, but there's a ton of pictures of, of us running around with my older brothers, big helmets on and, you know, jerseys on and just carrying around little fiddle sticks. That's great. And, you know, going back to you having like a twin brother, uh, Chris, who plays goalie, you know, how did he help you, you know, shape the player that you are today? Oh, we were, I think, I mean, it was a huge advantage having him grow up in my house, especially because we're so competitive with each other, but you know, we would go, my dad would take us to the field probably four or five times a week throughout all of elementary school, if we wanted to go and then middle school when we really wanted to go, um, and it was, it was so much fun just to go out there and shoot on him. And it was always a competition. So we always wanted to go out and do it and see who could get the best of each other. And I think he made me a way better shooter and I made him a way better goalie just because we had that consistency. And, you know, eventually he got to learn where I was going to shoot pretty much all the time. So it's gotten a lot harder to score on him, but it's still really fun. Did you ever, were there any restrictions when shooting with him or was it just like all out, you know, I could shoot wherever I want as, as hard as I want? Well, when we were, when we were in the middle school, a little bit younger high school, there was always a couple of big blobs um, where uh, I would either take a step down from like six yards and just drill him in the leg or something. And was, uh, my dad was a really good mediator when it came to that kind of stuff, but there was definitely some restrictions based on where I couldn't, could not shoot from, but also that was kind of my own fault. And if he was saving a whole lot of shots in a row, I would take a, a really bad shot and just kind of hit him in the leg or in like the arm or something. And it was not fun for him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. goalie, you have to be a psycho to be a goalie. I know. I know. Crazy. Yeah. Those, those guys are just completely different breeds. You know, I can understand being a hockey goalie. You have a bunch of pads and it's like a smaller goal, but like, dude, you have to have like a couple screws loose if you want to be a cross goalie. <laughs> 
those guys are nuts, you know, taking shots from a hundred miles an hour, you know, maybe they'll put a cup on if they're feeling, if they're feeling a little (laughs) scared, but you know, in general, those guys are, you know, the, the ones who are leading, but they're also, you know, a little crazy, but that's what makes them, that's what makes them special. Absolutely. Completely agree. So Chris, did you play any other sports besides lacrosse growing up? I played uh, when I was young, I played football and basketball. I got out of football a little bit to save my brain. Um, just I had a like, concussion and just was like not feeling it anymore. Um, I loved ba- basketball. I stopped playing in high school just because I thought I was a little bit, uh, I wasn't strong enough and I wasn't really fast enough. So I wanted to spend the winter getting ready um, for lacrosse, but I, I loved playing those sports. And then uh, when I got to high school as well, our defensive coordinator, Lewis Scharf, um, at Boys Latin, who's a great guy. He was like a father figure I had at school, um, encouraged me to run cross country because he was the coach there as well. So I would run cross country. Um, running cross country for me was a little bit of a loose term because I was so bad at it and I was so terrible at long distance running, but I would do a, the sprints really well and then die on the long distance but um it was it was definitely an experience and I learned a lot from it about how I could push myself and that kind of thing so I think those sports are really fun for me do you think you know running those cross-country races and those sprints you know helped you a lot more than if you didn't do it on the uh, on the lacrosse field oh I, th- I think so I think uh you know obviously I wanted to be the best at everything I did so because I was so bad at cross country, I would get frustrated and really push myself even harder. Um, and when it came to the sprints, like I was not the fastest guy on, on the team. I wasn't the best long distance runner. So, um, you know, it, it gave me a little bit of an edge to work on something. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you said you went to boys Latin. So when you're in eighth grade in middle school, is that when you like in Baltimore, is that when you kind of choose what, uh, what high school you want to go to? Yeah. So actually a lot of guys can like, you know, you can start um, K through 12. A lot of the schools in Maryland are K through 12, but I ended up going to St. Paul's for middle school and then was just looking to make a change. Uh, my brother and I just didn't think it was the right spot for us. So we uh, started looking around at other high schools in the area. We visited a couple um, and just landed on boys Latin and thought it was the best fit for us. So I think we made that switch in ninth grade. What uh, stuck out to you the most when you uh, when you like visited Boys Latin and like what attracted you to be uh, to go play your high school uh, high school across there? Right, I think for us we were looking at um, you know size of classes. Boys Latin does a great job. It's I think it's twelve. The average is about twelve person or twelve uh, boys in a class. Um, you know, there's a lot of opportunities for us to push ourselves. We were able to take I think four APs. Chris and I were each able to take four APs our senior year. Um, and then there's also a lot of, of opportunities to get extra help. Like, I don't think I could have done the four APs without having time to sit down with my math teacher, Ms. Molly, or a couple other people, a couple other teachers, and really get that extra help that I was looking for. So that stuck out academically. And then obviously from a cross point, Boys Latin has such a great history. I was lucky enough to play for Coach Bob Shriver my freshman year, which was awesome. And then Coach Brian Farrell took over and he was great. So just the history of that was also very attractive when we were looking at schools. So when you uh, like decided to go play for boys Latin and you wanted to go play lacrosse there, what did it mean to you that you got to go play for such an historic program in the lacrosse world? Uh, I think it was, it was incredible. You know, we grew up in the Baltimore area watching guys like the Stanwicks and our, my older brother go through those schools and, you know, there's so many great players that have gone on to do great things in college and pro game um, from the Maryland area and especially boys Latin. So I thought it was, it was great. Um, you know, felt like there were some big shoes to fill, but you know, the coaches, the coaches there do such a good job of approaching every team. Like it's a brand new group of guys. Cause it is. So um, it was just so fun to, to put on the boys Latin Jersey. And I'm so lucky that I got to seeing you know besides you and your brothers but a bunch of other uh boys latin alumni play college across and either you're playing with them or against them do you kind of sense that brotherhood with each other oh yeah i mean my best friends a lot of my best friends are boys latin guys um you know i scrimmage syracuse every year i got a great buddy basil Abraham on the syracuse team 
Mike Lubriaco was on Villanova when uh, we played them in the, my first ever collegiate game. And it was, it's really funny to see them on the field because, you know, Mike Lubriaco was at my house all the time. I still see him all the time. So um, it's, it's, it's really fun to see those guys uh, as I'm sure it is for a lot of high school guys, but I think the boys Latin brotherhood aspect is very strong. You know, what do you think was one of your favorite memories while playing at boys Latin? My senior or McDonough had knocked me and my or boys Latin out of the playoffs um, for my freshman, sophomore, and junior year when I was there, um, twice in the semifinals and once in the championship. So my senior year, we were able to beat them in the semifinals in front of a big crowd in, uh, at Towson. And that was, that was a really cool moment for my guys. You know, for our guys finally getting over the hump, we feel like you know, that was the team that we had to beat. And we ended up losing to Calvert Hall in the championship, an incredible Calvert Hall team. Um, but, you know, beating McDonough in that game was a really, really great memory. You know, how many, you know, there's always like, uh, you know, New York, like the New York State game, there's always like five to 10,000 people at, uh, at those games. How many would show out to these boys Latin games? Oh, I'm, I mean, the boys Latin lower turf field is iconic for, you know, having great crowds. I'm, I, I couldn't give you a real estimate, but, you know, I'll probably push in, for the playoff games, probably pushing five to 10,000. I remember um, our, we played in the 100th game between St. Paul's and Boys Latin my junior year. And I think there was 12 to 13,000 people at that game. And it was, it was such a cool environment to play in. Is that like scary for being like a high schooler, you know, playing against, going against, uh, having 13,000 people watch you as like a 16 or 17 year old? Um, I did think it was scary. I thought it was more fun than anything, honestly. Like, I didn't really, I mean, boys Latin, I think you're kind of used to having eyes on you and you're used to having some of the spotlight. So I wasn't too worried about it. I thought, um, you know, I, I didn't think many of our guys were intimidated by it at all, honestly. I thought we did a very good job. Our coaches did a really good job of preparing us for it as well. You know, hearing if you score a goal and just hearing, you know, the crowd, just like you hear the roar from the crowd, does that like did that ever like give you chills and be like, wow, like there's a lot of people watching this game right now? Um, you know, when we played St. Paul, since I had gone there, I think that it was, uh, it was like more of a rivalry personally for my brother and I. So I don't think that we were as focused on the crowd and more focused on, you know, like the St. Paul's chirps and such like that. So, um, I wasn't, you know, the chills and everything. It's definitely cool to think about, but I think when I get into game situations like that, and even in college, I'm so locked in that I don't really think about anything outside of what's happening on the field for sure but you know like yeah obviously like you you don't really uh recognize that during the game but like looking back on it oh, do you yeah. yeah do you realize it a little bit more oh absolutely i mean it's the same with when we played penn state in the semifinals a couple of year, or year i guess a year and a half ago or something like that um you know looking back and and like seeing the fan support we had which you don't really realize during the game it's it's such a cool thing and you know Boys Latin and Yale both have such a great alumni base and so much support around them that uh, it's definitely special to look back and, and see and hear. Definitely. And, you know, I want to move back a little bit, you know, just about you being a lacrosse player. So, you know, when you were growing up, who were some guys in the lacrosse world that you look, looked up to? Right. Um, so obviously my older brother, Tim, uh, he played at Bucknell. I thought he was a great role model for me as a lacrosse player and uh, taught me a lot about my game. Um, guys on TV, I love Steel Stanwick's game. Um, you know, I thought he was incredibly smooth and just made everybody around him better. Um, and guys, I mean, again, like Rob Pinnell, obviously you can't really replicate Pinnell's skill and, and dodging ability, but those are, I think, the three guys that I, I tried to model my game off the most. Why did you want to become an attackman? I don't think it was your choice, but, you know, why – why did you like playing like uh, on the offensive side of the field? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, I was a midfielder growing up through probably sixth grade, and then I got way less athletic than everybody else. Um, so I think that I decided my older brother also was playing attack in college. Uh, I thought scoring goals was really cool. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm playing attack now because I can't really keep up with the middies anymore. Plus having my brother as a goalie, you know, just shooting on him all the time. I was like, yeah, I think I should stick with this goal scoring stuff. <laughs> if you didn't have to play attack, what other position would you want to play? 
That's an interesting question. I would probably want to be a goalie, honestly, just so I could compete with my brother in it. I'm, I think it's it's a little crazy, and I'm never want to get in the way of a shot right now, but or I never want to get hit with a shot at least right now. But um, if I feel like if I had picked it up from a long time ago, I feel like I could do it, and you know, I could at least compete with Chris and make it a little bit fun. Mm-hmm. I always feel like when I ask this question to offensive guys, I always thought they were going to say like, oh, I just want to be a long pole and just slash like the hell, the hell out of uh, an offense, uh, an attackman just to let them know how it feels. So, you know, that's interesting that you guys like always say like, Oh, it's D midi. You're just being a goalie. But do you guys ever just want vengeance like that sometimes, you know, getting killed uh, whether it's like on a, on a coma slide or you just getting hacked down the alley. The only instances I've really thought about that were in practice with Yale, actually, <laughs> when like we get, we get hacked a little bit extra in practice, then I'm like, all right, I'll roll a ground ball out and see if I can hack them. But during games and, and playing other guys, I've never really thought about it like that. That's funny though. Yeah. And you know, when you were, uh, when you were growing up, did you play for any uh, club teams or travel uh, travel teams? I did. I made my rounds on the club teams around here. I started with loonies as a really young age, at a really young age, I think U11 maybe. And then I worked my way up through crabs. I played for rock. Um, and then I think I went back to crabs starting freshman year in high school and played crabs my high school career. So what was your recruiting process like uh, when you were in high school? Um, I wasn't the most recruited, heavily recruited guy in the world. Um, you know, I took my first ever visit my freshman year um, to Yale, actually. And it was like, obviously, since their recruiting rules are so strict, it was walking around campus and checking things out. But I think it was on the way to like a Cornell prospect day. But um, I was pretty undersized. I wasn't really athletic. So I, I think I uh, and I honestly didn't really start developing my skills as well as I could have until my sophomore year. So I think that um my process was a lot slower. I remember, you know, I looked at a couple, couple really good schools, but they uh, ended up just passing on me and um, ended up with a couple good offers that I was happy with. But when Yale offered, I accepted it on the spot. And that was, you know, it was my first ever school that I had visited, but it was, you know, since day one, the school that I saw myself at the most and the school I really wanted to go to. So um, I was lucky enough that uh, also my offensive coordinator in high school is Junior Briaco and Coach Shay are, are pretty good buddies from their coaching days back at Loyola, uh, Loyola or, um, you know, back a little bit. So uh, they're able to stay in touch. And, you know, it just so happened that I got a, a, the offer that I needed and really wanted the most. Did you ever think about, you know, wanting to play college ball with your brother? I did. And uh, just the way it worked out, I think that, you know, he was better than I was our sophomore year. He was just a little bit more ready um, for the college game. So he ended up getting a couple of offers that I didn't. And, you know, down the road, I was like, maybe we'll end up in the same spot. But I think that, you know, he ended up going where he wanted to go. And I got to pick like my dream school. So um, it's something that I thought about, but, you know, it was also an individual decision as well. And I chose the school best for me. Definitely. And, you know, coming off your senior year of high school, uh, I take the tough loss to Calvert Hall in the, uh, in the MIAA finals, but you also play in the Under Armour All-American game. And then Yale wins the national championship that year. So, you know, did you think that was, uh, it was pretty cool that like you, uh, you were heading to a school that you probably didn't know three years ago was just going to come off a national championship the, the year, the year you were coming in? Oh, it was incredibly cool. I mean, I remember I was at work watching the national championship game. So I worked, uh, I checked people in at a a club that I uh, live like two minutes down the road from. So I was sitting in a little room, like watching the game on my phone, screaming. And it was so cool. It was uh, such a neat experience. And then coming into that, you know, that environment, you know, now they set the stage and they're expecting excellence. So um, it was, it was really great experience. Were you a little bit scared, you know, maybe that, you know, you didn't expect that they were going to, that they were going to have that crazy run? Um, I don't think I was scared. I was, I was pretty glad that, uh, you know, they had set the bar so high and, and now we had something to look forward to, you know, obviously 
you know, I chose Yale for a whole lot of reasons, but one was to win a national championship. And I thought that they could do it. I thought that we were going to be able to do it. And before I even got there, they were able to. So, um, you know, just knowing that we had, you know, I was going to a place that has the power and capability of, of winning it all. It was really, really exciting. Definitely. So I got to ask you, when you first got onto, uh, got onto the campus at Yale, who was the first, what was the first pizza spot recommended to you? Oh man. Uh, I think Pepe is probably, um, I actually haven't really tried any of the pizza places. I think we do, we're pretty, we do a pretty good job with our diets at, at Yale. So I haven't really gotten Pepe's. I haven't gotten any of the, the popular spots. I, I, wow. So I thought you guys are like uh, big pizza connoisseurs up there that you guys know, like every single spot and what to do, but I wish I, you... I wish, I wish I could say that I was, but honestly, like, I think that's a more of an alumni thing. Once I, once I graduate, I can start eating as much pizza as I want. Yeah, it's true. So, you know, going into like, you know, this is like a off topic type of thing, but you know, how does your meal, like when you got to college, like what was your uh, meal plan? Like, how did you like have to start eating like a division one athlete? Right. That's a great question. Um, you know, I think that my mom actually did a really good job of prepping us or pre- teaching me how to eat correctly, but the sheer mass amounts of food that I had to start consuming um, was something that I was not ready for, I think. I uh, I came in, I think, or I graduated high school at 182 pounds and was expected to get close to 200 by the time we were playing my freshman year. So I uh, started eating a lot and a lot, but uh, obviously you can't just pack on bad calories. So it's just you know, we were given a, a pretty good idea of what we had to eat when it came to protein, carbs, that whole that whole thing. So there's a lot of, I, I, even right now, I grill up probably 20 chicken breasts at the start of every week, and that's all I'm eating for lunches and, uh, and breakfast too, actually. I just eat chicken. Yeah, how do you spice something up like that? You know, tr- chicken can be dry at times, and, you know, oh, yeah. just eating it every single day must be, you know, kind of painful. So, like, what do you try and do? to like make your uh make your meals a little bit more exciting than usual well uh my mom and i my mom will help me and we'll marinate the chicken in some sort of thing before we uh grill it up right now i'm a big soy sauce kick so i'll use like reduced sodium soy sauce on all the chicken but that's what i've been sticking with for probably last like four weeks what's been your go-to meal you know besides chicken what else is like a big go-to meal you know after like a long practice and you're like hungry or like a long day and you just got to eat something quickly what do you uh what do you look towards to um when i'm at school there's a chinese food restaurant called main garden so i'll go get a uh, sesame chicken and fried rice from there all the time and we i eat that a lot at school <laughs> do you uh do you see yourself you know overeating maybe too much you know it could be you know I know you're supposed to like pack on a lot of weight but do you think it's ever gotten to a point where like you got to also like watch watch how much you're eating Uh, I don't think so I think you know we do a really good job tracking calories tracking how much we eat and you know it's really to keep my weight up I uh I have to eat when I'm hungry and eat every time I'm feeling and, and honestly like what may feel like overeating sometimes probably isn't overeating. And it's just, you know, I'm eating until I can no longer eat and then I'm the right weight. So I think it's not really a problem of overeating ever. You ever try the, uh, the olive oil by the spe- the Jack Oaken special? Um, no, I'm not that crazy. That's nuts. I don't understand that. I, I also don't really understand the concept, but I mean, Jack is, Jack is an athlete like I have not seen before. So I have no right to question anything about him. So is it, does he take like a shot, every single shot of oil, olive oil, just every single morning? How does that work? I actually don't know. So which it's weird. Jack and I are really, really close, but I've never seen, and I've seen the olive oil that he drinks, but I've never like really witnessed him do it. I think that he's so meticulous in his ways that he does it in private and likes to keep it out of the spotlight. I mean, it's funny that like all the announcers got a hold of that information. I don't know how they got a hold of it, but it's pretty funny. That's gross. It's disgusting. That's just, <laughs> I get like apple cider vinegar because it's supposed to like, you know, cleanse your system, but like just olive oil, it's just, it's just, it's oil. It's oil. It's like, you're drinking, you're drinking actual, it, it can't taste good too. I don't, I don't know oh, how this. It's gotta be horrible, but he's such a good athlete and you know, I, I have no right to question it. 
we'll just go by it. We'll just no questions about it anymore. You know, it's a, it's a science that we can't explain. Right. (laughs) So, you know, Hopping, uh, heading to Yale, you know, we were just talking about, you know, you getting onto Yale, you're arriving at the scene, talking about, you know, adjusting there. You know, one of your first games that you ever played at Yale was a scrimmage against Team USA. How was that experience, especially as a, a first time, first time player for Yale, you know, getting thrown into the game, you know, playing against the, uh, the best players in the world that are like six, seven, eight years older than you. How was that experience for you? Oh, it was awesome. It was so, such a cool experience, you know. <laughs> obviously playing against the guys that you both grown up watching and aspire to be one day on the national team was such a cool experience. And, um, you know, I think that it was also really fun because I, I was playing in, a, in the U S lacrosse facility, which is 10 minutes away from my house. So a ton of kids that I knew were there. Um, but it, like I said earlier, you know, you just kind of focus on the game and, and forget about your opponent and just do what you do. So, um, Lucky enough, you know, I was able to actually, I think, start that game, which was really exciting. I think Godet was out with, um, like, a neck thing. So I was able to just get thrown right in, and uh, it was so cool. And uh, I was probably a little bit panicked, but, I, like I said, Jackson, guys like Jackson Morrow and Brendan Rooney my freshman year did a really, really excellent job of keeping me calm and, you know, just allowing me to do my job. Did you only play – I forget, was it like a – tournament so did you only play team usa or was there another was there another team you guys played it was just team usa yeah that's always a cool thing that's never really uh never really brought up and talked about it's kind of just like oh like usa's playing yeah i was like oh it's like the middle of fall that must be actually pretty cool to watch and you know i always tune into those games but i think i think there should be a little bit more exposure to that because it is the world's best in team usa playing against defending national champs i know you guys were down a couple i think it was didn't you have like one of your long pull long pulls playing uh short stick D midi that game? I think I think it was the reverse. I think we had Noel as like one of our or two, our first two or three LSMs were out. So we just put a pole in uh, short stick D midi's hands and we're like, good luck. <laughs> but you know, like games like that should be, I think, in my opinion, should be, you know, not hyped up, but just be shown shown more like said more in the lacrosse world it's kind of it's kind of blank about how they do it because i don't think it's unfit it's like not an unofficial game you guys are both like playing playing to win you know it's always like a very competitive game so i think you know i guess playing in an atmosphere you know playing in the atmosphere you might not might not realize that like there are a lot of people there but you know that's something i'd like to see in the lacrosse world is seeing like games like that be you know noticed a little bit more I agree completely. Yeah, I think uh, it's such a cool game and such a cool experience. I wish that uh, it was put on a broader scale. Definitely. So, you know, we were talking about, you know, you said like about academics, uh, why you wanted to choose Yale. So finally getting to Yale, you know, playing lacrosse, you know, scheduling your meal plans and stuff like that. How was the whole academic standpoint when you uh, when you got to Yale? Uh, it's 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 very challenging academically. I think that I was pretty well prepared from high school, but obviously you get to college and it's it's a whole new ball game, and that's no matter where you go. Um, Yale, being a liberal arts school, allows you to study a whole bunch of things that are interesting. I've been able to take some really cool classes that have had nothing to do with, I mean, economics majors that have nothing to do with economics, um, but also you know the economics classes are are very tough and it's a lot of late nights and and hard studying but um it's all worth it obviously you know having an education at Yale is something that not a lot of people can do and I'm very very fortunate that I'm able to. How have you done balancing your academic life and also being a division one athlete? I like to think I've done pretty well um I think that I was pretty well prepared coming in and I didn't have the best study habits and techniques, but that was not because I didn't understand them. It's just because I chose not to use them. Um, so I was, I was, I kind of had to figure out how to start studying very well pretty quickly, but um, I think I was able to figure it out. And, you know, the coaches are also very understanding if you have an exam that comes first, if you have school stuff that comes first. So um, they do a great job with that, but you know, as a cross player, as a college cross player, I I uh, think that it's really important that uh, to find that balance. And I was lucky enough to have mentors like my freshman year, 
guys like John Danagelis and then Jackson Moyle as well, um, who were able to really help me. Do you uh, do you keep yourself organized? You know, keep a planner and stuff like that. I always start the year with the planner, and uh, by the time probably halfway through the semester, I am no longer using planner. Um, something that we joked a lot about at home was I always asked Chris what the homework was in every class. And uh, when I got to college, I didn't have him to ask what the homework was anymore. So we had no idea how I was going to be able to figure it out. But uh, I've done a pretty good job actually staying on top of it. Do you uh, do you like that challenge almost, you know, of, you know, playing playing Division One sports and also being at a rigorous school? Oh, absolutely. I think it prepares you for the real world like nothing else. I think that um, you know, having an education like I'm getting and then having the, having to meet the, you know, expectations of being a Yale cross player has really helped me grow a lot as a person and learn about myself as well. Definitely. So moving forward a little bit in your freshman year, you know, finally getting to, uh, you know, be in full practices during like the, uh, during the real season of lacrosse, you know, what was it like, you know, heading onto a field with the guys that just won the national championship the year before that? Um, it was it was exciting, but I also think that we did a great job of, of you know, kind of watching that year and, and starting our own year. You know, it's, it's a new group of guys, um, new leadership, new, new first year. So we kind of approached it just like clean slate. We're a new team, figure it out for ourselves. And um well, there might have been, you know, a little bit of expectations that we would do well. Really, it was just us trying to find our own identity. What's the uh, what's the go-to song after a uh, after a practice or a game that's thrown on in the locker room? It depends who's on aux. Um, Jack Owen can grab the aux sometimes, and he likes like heavy metal, hard, you know, hard metal music. Um, it depends. That's a great question. Usually it's just sort of some sort of EDM song, you know, either Avicii or something like that. What's the, uh, I'm going to give you a hypothetical situation right now. Yale comes right. off a overtime winner in a uh, playoff game or just a crazy uh, Ivy league tournament game. Yeah. What's your go-to song? Uh, personally. Oh man. Um, that's a great question too. Um Gosh, I, you know, there's so much excitement going on that sometimes it's hard to like think about music, but I would probably, you know, when we were in the playoffs, we got, or the final four, we got to choose a song. It was split by Tiesto. And that song just gets me hyped like no other now, because, you know, I just think about like all the connotations behind square and goal, but they're like in that time. And like when we would do something well, like that song would come on. So split by Tiesto is kind of my go-to right now. That's a great song. Always, always hyping people up. So, you know, also, you know, being a freshman at Yale, you know, you're getting a lot of time, but who were some guys that, you know, that were upperclassmen that were helping you uh, either on or off the field? Right. There's, I mean, there's so many guys I could mention, um, you know, the whole senior class, my freshman year, I think were great leaders um, on the attack, Brendan Rooney. And then throughout the whole offense, you know, we were led by, you know, Dana Jealous, Sessa, and Jack Ty were the first midfield line. But, you know, a lot of things also, guys that you don't see off the field, you know, like Thomas Duran, who was recovering from an injury, was an awesome leader for me on the attack, taught me a lot. Um, you know, a, a whole bunch of guys like that. And then also um, Jackson Morrill, I think, and Matt Gaudet were, were great for me, kind of took me under their wing. So those were, I, I would say, you know, the first names that pop in mind, but uh, I think I could probably name every guy in the senior and junior classes and even the sophomore class that really helped me, you know, become a Yale lacrosse player. So, you know, going off of that, who, like, if you had to choose, like, your ideal West Jenny uh, trio of guys, who would it be for you? West Jenny, like, like, the, like uh, the West Jenny drill or like? Yeah, the West Jenny drill, the West Jenny oh, drill. That's a great question. Um I think it would, I don't know. I love playing with Goddard and Jackson, so it'd probably be those guys. So I may, they might throw a lefty in there um, because we're all righties, but I think, I don't know. I, I don't know. That's a great question. I'd probably just go with Morrill and Goddard at the moment. Who, uh, who, um, 
you know, who do you think you, uh, at you, uh, like I not idolize, but who do you think you emulated your game after most, uh, throughout any of the guys in the senior class or junior class, who do you think you kind of, you know, play most similarly to? That's a very good question. I think that I, uh, was able to take kind of parts of both Gaudette and Jackson Morrill's game. I think that they both really helped me, you know, Jackson, I'm not a, as obviously I'm not as great of a quarterback as him and I'm not as great as a finisher as Matt, but I think that they were able to kind of teach me part of their game. And I was able to kind of throw those, throw aspects of their game together with my own kind of like slashing style. What is, uh, what's your go-to move? I know we're going a little bit slow, but what do you think is one of your go-to moves in, uh, in like a game situation, like a, uh, that you always want to, uh, that you always want to try and use? Well, my brother gives me crap about this all the time, but usually it's just run as hard as I can to my right hand, like top side. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, I think that moves are also based on matchups and things like that, but late game situations, I think, you know, it's just like kind of pull your guy out to the sideline, make a quick move and, and try and either get under or get over. I love those wing dodges. So I'd say just any, any move over there, any move from that right side wing. So fast forward a little bit into your uh, freshman year going, coming to playoff time, you know, first round matchup, you're playing your brother. What was, uh, what was that experience like? Oh, it's so cool. I, I remember um, we had lost to Penn in the Ivy League championship and I had taken a really bad shot in the fourth quarter and was very down. And then, uh, but we, as a team, were watching the, uh, the selection show. And when I saw Yale Georgetown, I kind of lit up again and, uh, you know, we were texting each other right off the bat, but the when it came down to the actual game time, you know, it was, it was so fun to be on the field with him and to be competing against him. It was an experience like no other. And, you know, you can't really compare it or put it into words because of how like cool and special it was. But, um, you know, we were up so, so fast, so early. Um, I think it was like eight or nine, nothing or one or something like that in the first quarter. And, you know, I, I started, I started hoping that he just started doing well. I was like, just make like the next 12 saves. It's okay. Like I want to win obviously, but I want him to get a couple of saves in there as well. But it was, it was pretty funny. Um, and his experience, like, like no other, obviously. Did you uh, did you get any chirps in on him while he was I in goal? After the first couple of goals, and then I was like, ah, probably should stop chirping him. <laughs> after like, yeah, it was looking like a bloodbath after the yeah. after the first quarter. Yeah, was I was like, like, all right, I'm kind of done chirping him now. But by the fourth in the fourth quarter, I started chirping him a little bit more. When I realized the game was over and it was going to be a little bit closer, I was like, all right, I can let him have a couple. <laughs> For sure. Fast forward a little bit more to uh, championship weekend. You got a big rematch against Penn State. You know, they're coming off this hot, you know, 15-game win streak. Last time they lost was to you guys, second game of the season. You have an incredible game. I think it was like eight goals you had. You know, what kind of sparked you having, you know, such a such a powerful game for Yale? Right. Well, I think the great part about the Yale offense is that there are situations um, where guys can step up and have big games, but, you know, it doesn't mean that they're just taking over. Like I was the beneficiary of a lot of really good team offense. And I just ended up being on the, you know, the finishing end of a lot of goals that could have been anyone's goal. So I think that, you know, it was really cool, to, uh, you know, like have that opportunity and then have, have that a game like that. But you know, we put up 21 goals and it was an incredible display of offense, you know. So I think that the coolest part was just that we were able to go into such a big game against such a great team and and put on such a great display of offense. And I just got, got lucky, you know. Definitely. Um, you know, that national championship game, you guys played a couple of days later. Uh, unfortunately, you guys lost that game. It was a tough, tough, uh, tough battled game. What do you think were some things you took away from that game personally? I think that uh, a couple of takeaways were just that, you know, well, first of all, Virginia was an excellent team. Their defense was, you know, defense was suffocating Their uh, They had a great game plan, but I think that, you know, there's just a couple of things that I wish I had done differently, but, you know, 
I think the biggest takeaway that I had was just that, uh, you know, after my first year of college lacrosse, I was able to make it that far. And that's something really cool. And it just, it gave me a little bit more experience and hopefully it'll, you know, lead to more success and we'll be able to get back and avenge it. But you know, they're a great, uh, great team. I think I wish I, I was a little bit, I played, I played a little bit nervous in the beginning of the game as, you know, a freshman, the national championship might, but I think I wish I didn't, but, um, you know, hopefully that I'll get back and have the opportunity to approach it like a, um, you know, like an upperclassman. For sure. So heading into your 2020 season, you know, what were some big goals or, you know, things that you wanted to work on that, or, you know, tried to uh, work on over the off season that, you know, needed some work in your freshman year? Right. Well, obviously a big thing was I was playing the left side um, as a right-handed attackman. So I needed, and I still do obviously need to get my left hand up to, uh, up to left-handed attackman's capabilities. Um, but really just continuing to build the chemistry with Jackson, Matt got out was important to me as well. And just, you know, making sure that I think by the time the season ended, we were kind of always in, knew where each other was going to be. So it was unfortunate timing, but um building chemistry and then working on that offhand and, and making sure I was always in the right spot. Before the season got shut down, what do you think was your favorite memory? The, we took a trip to California to play Michigan out there. And that was so cool um, being out there with those guys. And, you know, it was, it gave us an opportunity to get a lot closer because we we're in a hotel rooms together all the time, but also um, just that whole experience was so neat and playing out there and, beautiful weather in front of a big crowd that of, of, of people that hadn't been exposed like I had to the game was really, really cool. Yeah, for sure. You know, after the season got shut down and, you know, the seniors weren't allowed to stay, did you realize that you were going to need to be a leader on the, uh, on the Yale team? Uh, I think that I was, you know, I obviously knew that Jackson and Matt were leaving on the attack and I would be the only returning starting attackman. So you know, in that role, I kind of expected that I would take on a bigger position. And I think that those, you know, Jackson and Matt did a good job of preparing me for, you know, to maybe eventually become a leader on the offense. So I think I, I kind of knew it. Um, I was obviously hoping that I wouldn't have to and Jackson and Matt could come back and you know, guys like Lucas Kotler could come back and, and lead, but they couldn't. So, um, you know, I'm, I think that, uh, yeah, I'm, I was, I'm ready to do it. I'm hoping that it, it goes well. Yeah. So how did you, uh, you know, keep a good mindset during the uh, quarantine stage, you know, from March to now? You know, how did you train? How did you keep like a healthy mind during all this craziness? That's a great question. I think that um, having guys, other guys at Yale, be, you know, hold me accountable and also me holding them accountable is great for us and I think that you know we are driven as individuals but also as a team so like individually I think I you know I knew that I wanted to be bigger faster stronger and more more talented with my stick when I got back to school and the only way that I was going to do that was by you know doing every doing something every day and making sure that I was in the best athletic shape of my life as well so I think that I was kind of driven individually, but Yale does such a good job of, you know, holding each other accountable and making sure that everyone's on top of everything all the time, that it was pretty easy, honestly, to, to, to make sure that I was on top of my stuff. And what are you looking forward to most in your 2021 season? Oh, I can't wait to put on a practice jersey again. I just, I need to get out on the field with those guys, um, you know, hearing the coaches, hearing chirps, hearing, and talk everything like that man it's so exciting i can't i can't wait to put on a practice jersey and get out there with the guys you know just the smell of lacrosse in the air is something I, yeah like just literally lacing up the cleats in the, in the locker room is something i cannot wait to do you know i think it was a first for everyone but you know not playing lacrosse in the months of march april may and june was you know probably for you like the first time you know 18 years that you didn't play that you didn't play yes. lacrosse Yes, that's correct. That's that's it's, like it's a nuts. Long it was time. nuts. It, it was very boring and, and and kind of crazy, but I was able to stay occupied, um, and I was able to keep a stick in my hands, which is great. And uh, it just kind of makes me miss the sport even more. 
you know, besides lacrosse and training, uh, training during the, uh, during, you know, quarantine, what, what else did you do that you enjoyed that, you know, maybe a hobby or something that you, uh, took up? Uh, my dad, you know, I have an internship right now at Northwestern Mutual, so that's taken up a good amount of time and I really enjoy that and the people I work with, but my dad has encouraged me to get a little bit more into golf, um, take me to the driving range. I feel like a lot of guys have done that. Um, it's been a pretty popular thing, but it's been a lot of fun. And my dad and I have really enjoyed spending time out there on the golf course. You any good? Oh, no, I'm terrible. I only put like, I picked it up at the start of probably the summer and, you know, went to the driving range probably five or six times and then played like six or seven rounds of or six or seven you know outings of 18 holes and i uh i've gotten under 100 once which i was pretty proud of but i'm pretty terrible i'm pretty awful yeah golf's the hardest sport i'm just gonna say golf is the hardest sport it doesn't make sense it's like such an easy concept you just hit it and it goes where you want but it never does it's a crazy thing it's insane it's all it's like it's also like 90 percent mental oh yeah it's crazy it's 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 a whole different realm so my last question for you today, Matt, is the uh, the low to high question. So, you know, to incorporate the name of the podcast, uh, low to high, I'm going to ask you a two-part question. So the first part of it is what have been some of your lows while playing lacrosse? It could be a bad game you lost, an embarrassing moment on the field. What do you think it would be for you? Uh, I think, um, you know, I was really hoping to get out of boys Latin with the championship and my senior year, I kind of put up a goose egg um, when it came to playoff time. So I think that was pretty, you know, pretty rough on me um, mentally. Yeah. Or not mentally, but just that was like kind of low in my game. And, you know, to go right off of that, what have been some of your highs? Um, yeah, I think um, making it to championship weekend my fresh, or my first year in college across was you know, something that I did not expect, but was hopeful for. And I think that, you know, just that whole experience was so, so cool. But honestly, just anytime I think putting on a Yale jersey, like is something that, you know, I always dreamed of. And uh, it's been such an honor and blessing that I've been able to do it. And uh, I can't wait to get back and do it more. And, you know, hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully this year. For sure. Matt Brandout, thank you so much for coming on the Loda High podcast. Really appreciate your time. Really appreciate your time. Uh, looking forward to watching you play this uh, upcoming 2021 season. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Of course, of course. Have a good day, Matt.